Good evening and welcome to another episode of Unstoppable Overcomers and I'm your host Dorothy O'Dell. I have the great pleasure of bringing to the stage Victoria Rubio. Welcome to the show Victoria. Hey Dorothy, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So for those of you that have never watched the show, this is just simply a conversation that we have between two people about things that they've overcome. And Victoria is such an amazing lady and has overcome so much. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, we could overcome one thing and then we thought, well, wait, no, there's more. So let's unpack your story, Victoria. First of all, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then we'll go into your overcoming story. All right. So presently, um, I am a social worker. That's my profession, I guess you would say. Um, well, my career was in, is in social work, but I am a business owner in Windsor, Ontario. I own um, VR Success Services, which is a um, business and career advancement agency. You know, we do professional services for anybody who wants to advance their career or business. Um, Personally, I, I also have a personal professional brand, which is Victoria Rubio. And um, what I do with that, which is has shifted a little bit, is um, I help people with their, um, you know, success stories. So like how to be successful on their terms, you know, and I share a lot about things that I've been through and how I haven't let um, certain things hold me back that maybe statistically speaking sh should have you know so i use uh, my story to empower other people to hopefully so they can reach their highest potential um i'm a mom a single mom of seven um ages almost three she'll be three next week three to 24. so there's oh yeah that itself is a full-time <laughs> career <laughs> yeah um yeah, and I'm just really passionate about helping others and mental health and um, just helping people realize that <clears throat> bad times don't last, even if they feel like they're going to last forever, like they don't last. Exactly. So. I, I tend to think of them as seasons. You know, we're all, we all go through a season and then we get out of that season. Things are great. And then we go into another season. Yeah. Um, and well, that's from experience experience for me lately anyways you know um but okay so a little bit about your overcoming story you're one of like ptsd mental health and things like that because you're a great advocate for for helping others with that so let, yeah. let's go to your overcoming story tell us a little bit about that i mean my overcoming story began probably when i was a baby <laughs> um you know i've, I've actually researched this uh, regarding you know trauma in the womb and things like that because I should have said this earlier but previously before becoming a social worker I was um, a childbirth assistant and I was super passionate about learning all about um, what happens in the womb and things like that but anyway I was born premature um, I was giving a death sentence at, at birth they said I'm not gonna live you know and um, so from what I'm told um, they said I had severe meningitis or something like that. And I was in an incubator forever. And I mean, I don't know exactly how long I was in there, but I mean, I'm just telling you like from what, so, okay. But obviously I'm, I'm here, right? So, so I, I that was, um, but uh, this was in El Salvador. And at the time there was um, like war going on there. Mm -hmm. So we had to leave there when I was three years old. Now I think that from everything I've researched, especially being a social worker and just me being, that's just how my brain thinks, like research everything. That's where like my um, severe fear and anxiety really began without realizing it as a child. Like those are your formative years, right? So, um, oh, were you going to say something? Uh, no, I was just going to say, I think we go, sub, it's, I think it's subconscious, some of our, a lot of our fears, right? Yeah. And we don't know what we don't know. And I've heard yeah. from, um, I have a holistic doctor, uh, Dr. Christie, who says, you know, she, she, the first thing she asked me, how was your, your mom's pregnancy? Cause it can start back then. And I didn't even know that. So like you're saying, it, it can, incredible. and it, it does, but it's something that we don't realize. And sometimes you don't even, you don't even realize how much it affects you. That's when your brain is being formed. That's when thing, and you can hear things, you know, even if you don't understand them like we do, but this is all stuff that's shaping us. But even after the fact, you know, that whatever happens to during birth, like this is 
it becomes a part of you, part of your DNA, how you um, perceive the rest of your life. But, you know, I'm just kind of giving you my my story a little bit. There's there's more. (laughs) Let's let's start there. Um, So then, you know, the war, I don't really remember, but I remember. Like, it's hard to say because I remember feeling the panicky feeling when I knew that something was happening, but I don't remember the vision of it. It's hard to explain, right? So it's like, I know it's there somewhere, right? Um, You know, we had to leave there. We left there when I was three years old. Um, The thing that I remember, I think the most that really ended up shaping me after that was um, my dad, he was an alcoholic, but he was like a severe alcoholic, but he was like Jekyll and Hyde. So he was my favorite person in the whole wide world. And he was super intelligent and he, you know, he was a teacher and he, he, um, you know, he was bilingual and um, he taught me so many things and he taught me how to read when I was little. So like this, he was just this great guy, but when he drank, he turned into a monster that I feared more than anything. So it was like, he was this great guy and then he was <laughs> this guy I feared the most. So, you know, and, and that I remember very well, even now, like all of those visions that are like, are still in my brain, you know, and right. like, I would see him covered in blood or I would see, you know, things that would happen or I would like, it's, and then he wouldn't remember the next day. Right. So. And, and that would have like, an effect on your relationships too, with men, I would uh, assert. I, I absolutely think that it did. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, you know. Um, but I think where I'm at now, I've put these pieces together. So I I love exploring, going back in my past, and being like, this just makes all the sense in the world, you know. And I'm so peaceful about it now, where I can talk about all these things. But um, that like experience for my whole life, basically, when I was not my whole life, but when I was growing up in my home, um, was like that, you know, throughout my entire childhood. And so, yes, you know, it's, it was really strange. And then that, that was just one thing, but the fact that we almost had to pretend like everything was okay, you know, and then this was just a pattern, right? So something happened and then it was horrible. And then the the next day we're like, okay, let's go have ice cream or something, right? Like it was, we're like, oh, okay, you know, and then that, that was just a pattern and that's what we became accustomed to. And then at school, I think I made up for everything that was happening at home. I was like an excellent student, you know, like almost like too excellent, you know, <laughs> like it was like too much. Right. Um, and I think that that's where my, my zone was. Like I could get away from my home, right? It was at school. Um. But I really do think it affected everything, you know, all my my choices, my decisions, but also definitely um, prevented, I think, from catching certain things that I learned about myself later on, because the attention was all on the on the problems, right? right? And so the attention wasn't on our needs; it was on, you know, what was going on, right? That was bigger than that. That was the thing our whole entire life, right? Not. Um, what what necessarily each one of us may have needed and i don't blame anybody this is just how what it was right but but because of that i could see that you know certain things i'm like i wonder if i would have you know maybe i should have been in counseling (laughs) you know what i mean i should have been um addressing everything that had been happening since i was a child i should all of these things should have been you know because they followed me and it wasn't until about a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, that I actually purposely started to unpack it all, right? And actually say, yes, this has been something that has affected me my entire life. Because from there, you know, my choices, um, I I feel like I've always lived this like dichotomy. I'm extremely um, focused when it comes to excelling you know, on certain things, mm-hmm. school, you know, um, work, um, you know, business, like these are things that I've always done, but then there's been this, um, you know, other side, it's like 
that I never really understood why it was like that. You know, even when I was younger, like I, I got into drinking pretty young, you know, I can't even, when I look at my kids, my older ones, younger ones, like they don't, they don't, you know, they don't drink. That's not like what they consider fun. Um, I can't even imagine them, you know, being drinking at like 15 or whatever, you know, like things that we thought are smoking cigarettes. I mean, the back then that was normal, but. Um. And, well, I think, and I think we grab onto those addictions, like, like you said, to cope with, with the traumas. Right. And um, it, it's funny because growing up, like life was chaotic, but I thought that was normal. Right. And chaotic meaning that I had parents that were there, that were ill all the time. It, great parents, but I never knew from one moment to the next if they were going to be healthy or not. And like you said, you growing up not knowing, you know, what was going to happen with your dad, and especially if he'd been drinking and things like that. And I don't think that I, I know my parents certainly never thought about therapy or anything <laughs> or anything. So and it's that's it, it was on me when I became I, I think for the last 10 years, I've been working on that, like getting, getting the therapy that I needed for that and, and, you know, stuff like that. And I, I, our parents didn't grow up with that. So I'm sure that that's why they, they never got us into counseling or anything like that. So good for you though, for deciding that that's something that you wanted to do, to pursue. Yeah. I mean, I think every, honestly, I can tell you just even from, from everything I know. And and this started when I when I became a social worker too, and I started really like seeing um what like the profession does for people. But um I think everybody should be in counseling. <laughs> I I don't think there's like one Amen. person that doesn't have <laughs> something that they need help with. And I yeah. feel like I think that's one of the biggest um I guess failures of our society that we make this be so like you know, there's the normal people and then there's the people that need help. No, it's it's probably the other way around. There's probably more people that need support and that don't get it because of the stigma or they think, oh, well, there's nothing wrong with me. No, it's yeah. no, no. There's everything right with you. And this is why, you know, maybe these are maybe this is something that you could bring out because it never goes away. Yeah. Like this was one thing I remember. um when I was actively working with youth, especially, um, we I, I try to explain to them as files. I said, these are, you know, whatever you think, like, even if you don't think it's bothering you, it's in there. There's a file in there in your brain. Yeah. And maybe we need to take them out one at a time, read them, let's see what's there. Because one day, if you don't, they're going to explode all over your brain. You're not going to know what the hell is happening. And I think that's what ended up happening with me. When I started really looking into um, the things that I never dealt with and the symptoms that I was experiencing and putting names to them. And I'm like, okay, so this is an actual thing. It's not just how I think. You know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a thing, right? And because sometimes I would think, like, I wonder how people you know, just, I wonder how the people do it, you know? Yeah. Why is this, why is this easy for them? But it seems so hard for me, right? Like, yeah. why if I look at, you know, I, I'll give you an example. If I would um, look at somebody's house with kids and, um, I mean, I know not everybody's house looks like a magazine, but, and then if, if my children made a mess and my, my entire freaking house is a disaster, I would sometimes feel like, why is this so overwhelming like because it almost gave me like anxiety to see to see it and to feel it and it just kind of like shut me down you yeah. know but i'm like why is this overwhelming for me and not other people and this is just like a very small small example but um all of these little pieces together um i kind of started really paying attention to um i mean i've always been kind of like a thinker and digger but I don't think I ever really put it all together. Whereas, oh, I actually, this created something that I never dealt with. And because of that, it, it catapulted into other things, right? So um, PTSD, I believe came from when I was very, very, very young, probably three years old. And um, it just stayed. And I can look back now and see, well, not stayed, you know, it's like a thing that put, but you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's something that I can recognize from then. And I can look back and see that I've always had those, those signs mm -hmm. and symptoms, but I just didn't know what they were. And the fact that I never talked to anybody about it. And 
I just kept it within me. Um, I think it just made it hard. Like it, it made it really difficult. How are you? I'm in the show and nobody told me you're coming. Oh, he said he's. No. We're doing inspection. You won't be. That's the old five minutes. Well, we're, we're in a live show. And this is what happens when we have live when we do live no, because I don't, it's I don't understand why they wouldn't tell me. <laughs> are, you able to, are you able to edit this? Um, I try and find a way to edit it. <laughs> I can't stop it because then it will stop everything. Um, Sorry, that's okay. I have no idea anybody was coming in here. Like I, I honestly so so upset. Um. Apparently it's an inspection that nobody told me was happening. So <laughs> and, and that's okay. Don't don't add to to your stress of the day. And <laughs> I, I I get it. And and you know, when you were talking about that, it, let's just back up for a couple minutes when you were saying that, you know, everybody that perceives like we have an issue and other people don't and we want we want to glamorize what they have but the thing of it is we have no idea what really is truly going on in their house and nine times out of ten the people that don't talk about it are the ones that truly need help the most um and so you're right you know bringing these topics to the forefront of mental health and, and things like that we're allowing people to be themselves and allowing people to give the platform to say hey you know uh i'm not the only one that has gone through this so um so yeah i i it, that i wanted to address that because to me that's important because so many people you know can say that oh they don't have any problems but they're suffering in silence so you know and so great for you for coming on today and and sharing your show sharing your story on the show so that you know people can say hey you know i i can identify with that yeah um I really feel that it's it's something that I feel like almost everybody deals with. I don't think anybody has had a perfect life. I don't care, you know, but some people have more um, obviously obvious traumas than others. Yes. And, um, you know, I think we're doing a little bit better with, you know, talking about mental health and addressing mental health and things like that. But it's not enough because I feel that it's still so like, a box over here instead of saying this is part of your entire being and it's not just over here like yeah it's a part of you but it's a part that basically controls your entire life mm -hmm. um if we are not addressing the things that have affected us in you know whether it was our youth or um our teenage years or even our adulthood things that that come up nothing is going to feel like um, right inside, right. right? And for me, I feel like that's that's kind of what, what started to happen where, you know, every, I would have, I mean, I was up and down, that's life, right? But no, it actually started to take over um, when I finally said, I need to be purposeful and say, okay, I'm going to address everything that I haven't addressed. I'm still in the process of that. I mean, it's, like, it's a long life, right? But um, it's a lifelong journey, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> like we're and yeah. we impact it when we, we unpack one thing. It's like I always say, healing's like an onion. Once you get past one layer, then another one appears, another one appears, until we go home. Like then, we're we're always going to be working on that. I truly believe yeah. that. Yeah, it is. It's definitely a, a lifelong journey, but um, it's becomes a lot more purposeful when you address things, when you unpack things, when you realize, okay, this is what came of that as well. Like um, I'm huge on addressing, not only addressing, but also seeing what, who did I become through that experience, you know? Because um, it really taught me a lot about even um, alcoholism. You know, I, I grew up very angry at my dad, you know? Um, and I started to kind of just let that go before he died. Um, but I think I, cause it's been almost 12 years now that he's been gone. And I really, really, um, I think developed more of like a huge understanding. And, um, I think that's why I have a lot more of, um, 
I don't even know what it is, like empathy for people who, have, who are dealing with addiction and seeing, you know, firsthand, like I know what it is like to love somebody that has an addiction and recognize them for the amazing person that they are, but also see what it does to them and their family. And also from my end as a daughter, um, seeing how traumatic it is, you know, and how much it really does affect your life for the rest of your life. It's not something that you can just walk away from when you leave the home. Like it's, it becomes part of who you are. And I really struggled with that, you know, for years and years and years and years, you know, I had panic and anxiety and, and I didn't know what it was, <laughs> you know, I didn't know what it was. And seeing my, my dad be so, um, addicted to, cause he got addicted to prescription uh, medication as well. Um, I hated the pharmaceutical industry because of that. So I, I refused, you know, for, um, when I first started experiencing my first onset of panic attacks was, I think I was 25. Um, actually, no, I was like 19. And back, back then they, they weren't often. And I was able to just kind of, you know, I learned meditation and, you know, just kind of go uh, within myself. And that's how I, I got really educated on um, herbs and homeopathy and, you know, things like that. And I think I was able to do a lot of self-help. But fast forward, you know, my life was pretty chaotic. You know, it was, uh, I did, I did my absolute best to keep a very peaceful um, environment and, you know, home. Um, you know, I was married very young too. I was married at 19, uh, which is super young. I look at my daughters now or my kid and I'm like, I cannot even see them <laughs> being married at all at this age. Like, you know, like, what was I doing married at 19? You and know? that's, that's the great part. Like you said, your oldest is in their twenties and your youngest is three. So your first trauma that you remember is at age three, which is your youngest daughter's age. So, you know, helping them realize, you know, that this is where you were and, and, and identify. And, you know, I'm sure that if they had come across any traumas in their life, you'd be the first one to say, nope, we're, we're, you're going to go seek counseling or something. Um, right. And, and so seeing your kids at that age, your oldest could have been married by now and your youngest could have, could have been in her first trauma. Um, but that's, what's so great about us going through this. We can stop that cycle for our children. Right. Yeah. 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 We can stop it. We can help it and we can do something to address it. And things that maybe I saw, like I told you, that weren't done when I was a child that I feel could have really helped me. I'm definitely, you know, doing that with them, you know, you know, the younger ones. Um, so the, the, um, like just the whole dynamic of me wanting to do my best, not, to introduce the you know those traumas or the things that I saw in in my home, I think that um, because of everything that I went through and, I, and things that I dealt with, though one thing I can say how it affected me is I I lived in my head way too much, and I and I never talked. So because I never talked about it, I just never talked about it. I never really addressed my my problems. So addressing my problems um, wasn't you know, a normal thing that we all talk about. Right. So, but that's just, and, and that I have come to definitely learn that it is a, a trait of growing up in an alcoholic home. You don't talk about these things because it's just, you know, what happens in your house and, you know, you, the rest of the world, you're fine. Right. So you, we learn to, to shut things off really quickly, but you don't really shut them off. You just live in your head with, with that 24 exactly. seven. Um, but I think because I lived in my head so much, um, it prevented me to, from being as present yeah. because I had so much going on inside. Right. And that's something mm -hmm. that I'm being mindful of now that I'm like, wow, I, I really have lived in my head for a long time. Like just not being as present as I should have been because of it. Right. But now the more I talk about things, the more I let out my story, the more stories that I've gotten from even um, all my clients um, and then sharing, you know, with, with them, yeah. it has, really helped me to not be as much up only up here right being out here is actually so much better <laughs> right. 
do you meditate too? Do you use that as a form of uh, self therapy, I guess, or uh, I, cause I'm only asking, cause I use the meditation to help me get out of my head. Um, uh, your, our, our stories are a little bit similar in the fact that I lived in my head for decades, uh, and not really verbalizing to my parents what was going on at school. Um, you know, mm. kids can be cruel. I never went home and told my parents. I never told my parents when I was in my abusive relationship, what was going on in that house. Uh, I kept everything to myself because yep. I wanted to protect my parents because that's what I did. I'm a protector. So I lived inside of my head for decades until I was ready to crack. Um, right. And then, um, so yeah, like, can you tell us about your journey with that? Um, I feel, okay. So the med meditation, yes. So I learned how to meditate, but I can tell you that because I, I love meditation. Okay. What I, but I, so I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not sure if it's going to make sense, but because at the time, like I just recently found out that I not found out, but got an official, you know, um, re reassurance that what I knew for a long time was right. Like, um, I had, I was dealing with ADHD in my head um ptsd adhd anxiety right so when i would try to meditate all of these <laughs> all of these trains and thoughts I get it. yes <laughs> okay let's get on one one of the best things i learned uh i went to my meditation groups because i used to go to meditation groups was just get on one of the trains you know never mind the other trains get on one of those you know there's, there's going to be lots of trains but i felt like my trains were jumping on the other trains you know what i mean there was just like so much going on in my head um i think one of the best things that helped me when i um started to try to deal with my uh, when everything catapulted into panic attacks which we'll talk about next um was short really short breathing meditations mm -hmm. So like the the three minute breathing meditations that I could do in the car, you know, that I didn't have to lay down for or that I didn't have to um, or square breathing. Right. Or like like those short ones. I still use those all the time. Sometimes, like especially if I'm trying, if I'm starting to get I feel upset, even angry. And it's actually really good to do before you even um, say a word when you're want to argue with somebody or anything like that. Like it helps ground you. So I, I do. I do really um, love meditation. I'm just telling you that initially I felt like it wasn't for me because my brain was too active and it w wouldn't shut down. Now I know why. Um, and it's always been like that my whole life. I've always lived in my head, but I, I feel like validated now that, okay, it makes sense why, you know, it makes sense why there's 3 million windows open and not four. Right. <laughs> so I yeah. love that you said that I love, because I too had that experience and somebody had, um, share with me like a guided meditation or um there's i forget what i forget what um there's a tape she gave me where i listen to that and it, it centers my mind to like one thing and then i can just focus on my clear path with yeah god so yeah yeah um Get that. <laughs> gratitude gratitude really helps me too um i find myself and and we could totally talk about the student i find myself it's like a way that I can bring myself back to here now because, um, you know, another characteristic of, of, of everything I'm talking about is uh, dooms thinking. Like you, it takes you to the potential worst possible scenario that could happen or, you know, mm -hmm. or, or you get too so worried about a situation that you, you can't see any solutions. It's just so worried. And then, you know, you start, living as if the outcome that you're creating in your head already happened mm -hmm. and that's so stressful right so always okay stop it let's think of something you're grateful for what are you grateful for and i try to consciously like really be like wow i'm really grateful for this yes you know this is it always brings me back to my my zone <laughs> where i can start to just really either come up with solutions or just like let it be right nothing lasts um right. But you know what? It it ended up where my pivotal moment when I said I need to get help with all of this because you know I've I've been it affected my relationships. It really did. Um, I also felt that it I had this um, thing that I just wanted to help people that were similar to my dad. Um, 
not going to happen. Like, it's just not like, it's something that has to come from within. I, I can't, I can't do anything about that. Right. So um, now at the time I didn't realize this, right. <laughs> this was just, but I'm, I'm like, yeah, okay. That makes sense now too. Right. But um, it affected my choices, the choices that I made, affected the, the decisions I made, affected the things that I was attracted to um, um, things that I feared, you know, things that I, pursued i think in and in, in some ways it was a good thing I, I feel like i i go after things that i want and mm -hmm. i usually do very well at at them but in other things you know i've gone after things that i want and it's not been so, but not been so you know relationships probably being one of them right so yeah. um i decided you know when my last relationship ended i was like i'm i'm, I'm taking and this is with um my younger girl's father was like i'm taking uh I'm done. I'm taking a break from that. I'm not even interested because this is taking away too much focus on what I need to be focusing on, which is all of this that I'm talking to you about today. Right. And it was probably the best thing I did because um, I finally did something about it. Like I finally addressed it. I was finally able to get um, help. I was finally able to start um, moving forward. I was finally able to feel it inside that there's actually a difference, right? And that is golden because nobody would have ever even known any of this because honestly, from the outside, people just were always telling me, wow, like you're just superwoman. You're amazing. Like you do it all. Nah, 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 nah. I'm like, yeah, but, <laughs> but it's heavy. And it makes sense, right? You know? like, yeah. And it's, it's just, it's it's not um it's not anything anybody could see and that's the thing you know with 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 what we deal with especially um women um any type of <clears throat> neurodivergence i think we are amazing at masking and you know this i learned from my sister um who's who's was telling me you know this girls and women like they they mask so well because that's what we're taught right and we're like okay we're gonna fit in here this is what we're gonna do this is who we're gonna be that's yeah. that's how it is right and i mean and to, i guess in some way shape or form i've done that throughout my whole life so nobody would have any idea that any of this was going on unless i said it right or unless they experienced it with me or saw me um but all of this turned to some pretty scary symptoms for me and that's when i was like I've, i can't i've had enough um so I've had, like I said, I told you, I had a couple panic attacks when I was younger. They went away. I did meditation and I did all this stuff. And but again, maybe masking as well. Um, but about three years ago, after I had my my daughter, I had a really bad panic attack that scared me, and it came out of nowhere. It's not like I wasn't. When I say I've had anxiety, it's not something that I walked around with. Um, it's more of like it would just come over out of nowhere, right? And I'd be like, I don't know where it's coming from. What am I anxious about? What am I worried? Like, like I, would, I would kind of have to dig to even ask myself, what is going on? Why are you feeling this way? It's, it wasn't obvious, like, oh, this is why we're anxious, right? So the panic attacks came on just like, like that, where they were um, sudden, out of nowhere, extremely scary. They mimicked um, like heart attacks, you know, and um, I didn't know. I was like, am I, should I call an ambulance or is this just, <laughs> am I just anxious? You know, like that's how, that's how right. bad and scary they got. Right. So, um, you know, first couple of times I was like, okay, you know, like we got to, this is scary. You know, and uh, I went, I went, I went back to my naturopathic doctor. She gave me like magnesium or something. And, um, but a year later, they started coming on so often that I just couldn't ignore it anymore. And I just, I tell, I tell in my clips, in my, in my page, I was like, I feel like my body was telling me, you can't ignore this anymore. Like, this is it. Wow. You know, like you are done. <laughs> we, it has to come out. Like yeah. there's nothing that you can, you're not, the files have they're on fire in your head now, right? like, like you can't ignore them anymore. And I think that right. that's, that's when I was like, yeah, right. Cause there's no way I, I, I would, I would not have been able to um, continue that way and, you know, be 
have a calm and healthy and happy life had I not gotten the assistance that I got. Right. right. So, but I feel like it was necessary. Yeah. As crazy I, as it sounds. And I, well, no, it, it doesn't sound crazy because I, I can identify with a lot of that because as women, like we tend to do it all. Right. And if, especially if you're a single parent, if you're a single yeah. parent, you have no choice, but to take care of it and take care of everything. Cause now, you know, you're the sole one responsible but as women we tend to take on more and i had this conversation with somebody else today because women are more empathetic uh and so therefore you know and we just tend to take on that and then we tend to take on um other things that we shouldn't because we feel that that we should and i grew up with a grandmother that said no you have to take care of your man and that's it and you know that's the way life has to be and i'm just like well wait a minute <laughs> You know, I think we should take care of each other. Um, and and so, and I think we wait to the last possible minute because number one, we're in denial about it. And number two, well, if we don't do it, who else is going to do it? Um, but it, it, it's true. Like, um, you know, I, I totally get that. And until our health is affected, a lot of us ignore the warning signs. Yeah, um, we do. It's because it's almost like you don't have time for that. Somebody told me this yesterday when I was telling them, like, um, you know, my daughter was was not feeling well, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, it's interesting because I was like, my whole house could get sick and I wouldn't get sick. And then and then he just made a joke. Yeah, because you don't have time to get sick. I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I don't, you know, because I, I can't afford it. But um, no, it's true. But I something that you said reminded me, too. Um, so, you know, I was I came here as an immigrant. Right. So I had to learn, you know, how to. Be Canadian, you know, like I'm, I'm, it wasn't, I was eight years old, nine years old, I think, when I came here. Um, and I also came from a culture that you get married and that's it, right? Like it's, you get married and whatever the hell happens, that's your fate forever, right? Um, and that's another thing. I've been like this, the, you know, my dad used to say I was rebellious because I was like, I just didn't, no, I didn't agree, right? <laughs> and I mean, I'm not saying there's, there's no like beauty and like, longevity and mm -hmm. beautiful relationships i'm just saying if is it's at a cost if it's at a great cost for one person's happiness or one person's health then it's like i i wouldn't <laughs> like i feel like i wouldn't sacrifice my entire life and purpose for for that exactly. um but so you know it was the same thing i remember when um i wanted to end my relationship my my marriage and my mom said the same thing to me, like, you know, this is, you have to stay. I was like, no, <laughs> like I can't, right? But um, it's just, I've always done things my way. Um, but I do feel that had I really gotten more support, you know, in my life, mm -hmm. things would have turned out a little bit differently. Um, but I'm also really, it's crazy because when I say it, it should have happened or it, it was meant to happen, like, or, you know, with the panic attacks and all that now, now that I'm, I feel like I'm healing from all of that, um, I can actually look back and even look like at my, my relationships and when I was leaving my marriage and, you know, the 10 year gap and then my, my next relationship um, and the last um, almost four years and see the differences. I feel like I've lived different lives. Like it's hard. Like I, I, it's hard to even recognize who I was. I'm like, like, I almost feel like that wasn't me, even if it was me, mm -hmm. because the healed you or the healing you is so much different than the um, surviving you, you know, the hidden survival mode you or the um, even like the mentally chaotic you or so when I look back, I'm like, I don't even recognize um, my my own self, right? right. Um, I feel like now I'm a whole different person, even if I'm the same person. It's just, I feel like all of those files that I'm addressing have opened the doors. That's what it was. I, I said, I said, they're opening the doors to the rooms that I haven't explored. And now I can go in there and see why this has been hurting me for so long, because I can see it. It makes sense, right? I can clean it out now. Right, and start cleaning them out and you know clean them, them out and put the new tape in yeah yeah rewiring yeah. my brain <laughs> rewiring. I, literally I, rewiring my brain yeah 
and yeah. it's been a journey. It's been um, a definite journey, but it's helped me not only for myself, but it's helped me also to help others. Um, I feel that we don't talk enough about neurodivergence and also because there's two kinds, you know, there's the acquired neurodivergence and then um, which I feel is where mine comes from. I feel like it's been acquired for so for so long of not addressing certain things. Okay. Um, but at the same time, it brings peace. But somebody told me recently it's also going to bring um, um, mourning where you're like, because now that you are addressing everything, you realize, wow, like, this is what you were supposed, what my life could have been like. This is what I could have felt like, you know, for the last 20, 30 years. Right. Now, I personally don't like to live like like that, but I mean, I could, I definitely can see it, can see that that might be a feeling that would come up for many people. When you finally start to heal from certain things and you're like, wow, because you don't know, I think you're the one that said this earlier, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what it's like to have peace within your mind if you haven't lived with it until you experience it yeah right and go ahead exactly no exactly and that's funny that you brought that up because right now i'm in the middle of um doing a study called a course of miracles and it's all it talks about oh, all about i love peace. it i love the course of miracles yes i did it and there was every morning i have what's called like a clearing call with mm -hmm. uh, a bunch of people and so in I was at a state of such peace, which really I hadn't even really identified that that's what living this life was like. Like, like I said, I grew up in chaos my entire childhood. My adulthood has been total chaos. Um, and so I'm learning to switch that mindset though. And there can be chaos all around us, but that doesn't mean you have to live in chaos. Yes. You know, if you, you bring yourself to peace into center, you, the, no matter what's around you, because life is always going to throw shit at you. Um, you can still live in a, a state of peace within the chaos. And I found the first time I really like, wow, this is actually happening was when uh, my dad was dying. And uh for those nine days we were beside his bedside and I'm like, you know, the old me would have been freaking out because my dad was my hero. My dad was my everything. He was the only man in the entire world that never judged me or belittled me about anything and listened to me. And so in those nine days, I was just like, I was so calm. I was just like, what the hell is this? I would say to my friends, like, what is this? Cause I don't know what had this had ever felt like. Um, so that was like a uh, year and a half ago. And I was just like, okay. And so, you know, you catch those glimpses of peace and, and it can be different and different experiences for everything. And I noticed that as soon as I find myself going back to the old me, the old, um, of, you know, this is just crap. This is whatever. I, I, I always bring myself back to peace and to center and to love because, you know, like especially the course of miracles is nothing but, you know, yeah. living in love. Um, your main function is, is, uh, is love basically. Yeah. And so, um, you know, finding that within it and always having that life of chaos, is just like, wow, this is something else. <laughs> it is always having life of chaos really prevents you from even connecting mm -hmm. to like the love that we need because you're always in self-protection mode without realizing it you're always in fight or flight you're always in self-protection you know you can't you know exhale mm -hmm. like there's always something that you're on guard about and yeah. that's not conducive to living in this peaceful um yeah. because you can't no. you can't you're in, you're in battle literally it's like survivor mode yeah. you're, you, and and now i'm going into thrive mode so i've lived by the chaos and the the survive mode too long and now we're back now we're into the okay no now we're in the thriving but allowing yourself to receive that 
can sometimes be very difficult, especially if you've been in your head for decades. <laughs> yeah. So, but allowing yourself to receive that goodness and that peace and that, you know, and, in living in a state of thriving. Yeah. Um, so I've had a lot of really amazing um, teachers throughout my life. And I feel like the things that they have taught me that maybe at the time I didn't really understand how to do it because, um, or how to really understand it, understand it, um, but the purpose of them, I can look at now and be like, it's all just all this, it makes all the sense in the world, right? So one of the things was um, that little girl in my, in my instance, inside me, right? That, you know, was helpless to the things that, that were happening and that had no voice and wasn't able to do anything about it. Cause how can, you know, a four-year-old, five-year-old do anything about what's going on, right? Um, you know, it's in there still, right? She hasn't, uh, you haven't, she, she's still in there. And so sometimes when we have, like when we don't, we have PTSD or things that like, you know, we get stuck in certain um, emotional um, memories, right? Mm -hmm. And then when something similar happens now, um, she comes through like that unresolved emotion of your five-year-old self is still in there, right? And and I started really, not, like really, really paying attention to that um, because um, I remember when in a relationship, I'm not going to say which, <laughs> but um, there was something that really scared me that my dad would do when he was drinking. Mm. And the fear in my stomach that I felt literally brought me back to when I was four years old. I remember like exactly. And so like when I'm like, yes, she's definitely still in there and this fear is still in there. I was like, and I cannot ever like let any of my kids feel this, right? Mm -hmm. Because, and that's what scared me even the most, right? Mm -hmm. So I say all that to say that um, recently I, I when I, I remember what she said to me about healing your little girl inside, you know, just you have to validate yourself, validate yourself at all the ages and stages that you never were validated and you never were given that assistance and that support and that love that you needed um, because you're still in there wounded as a, you know, in there, like there's all of these memories from your childhood and when, and like those core memories, like the feeling that you have about what was happening is still there and you're still feeling unsupported. Right. So um, so I, I, I've been recognizing that, you know, talking to myself, um, I wrote a, a letter, I shared some of it, not the entire thing, but I shared some of it in a, a letter to my four-year-old self a couple days ago on my, on my page. It was the most emotional exercise <laughs> I've done. Yeah. Like, I was literally like bawling my eyes out and I'm not a crier. If anybody will tell you, they probably, hardly anybody has seen me cry. Um, but literally like writing this letter to myself as four-year-old me, remembering everything and just validating her saying, you know, this is, was so, so um, touching and connecting, right? Yeah. Just to rem remind her, me, that I validate and I recognize and I remember and that it's okay now, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. let's, let's clean that part out now and just move, move forward. Like, you don't have to be afraid now. Like I'll, I'll I love me. And I didn't really know how, what that was like because my my life was so chaotic. I didn't learn how to do that, right. right? So I was always, when I was a teenager, I was always seeking love elsewhere, always seeking love elsewhere. Mm -hmm. It never turned out well, but I had to learn how to love me first, right? right. So, yeah. I love that you said that because it's so true. Those of us that have been love deprived, I guess, as the word, um, are the ones that want to seek it the, the most. And we find it in all the wrong places. I can <laughs> identify with that. Yeah. Prior relationships are like, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> and I yeah. wasn't, obviously. Um, and, and now that I have a great guy, uh, you know, have healed a lot uh, prior to meeting him and then still on the healing journey as I'm with him. Um, and, and that's funny because as women you know, we see this and guys are not quick to say, okay, well, you know, I, I have a problem too. And, but it's in, when you're, I just had a conversation with a woman named Inez yesterday. And she said, men that are healed are sexy. So 
And I'm like, well, that goes for women too. So if the men out there that are listening to this and you have identified with anything that we have said today, it's okay to have those feelings and get the help that you need to, so that you too can be healed because healing is sexy. <laughs> you know, if I don't know about you, but in, in the past, like things would, I would fly off at the littlest things. And, and now that I don't do that, you're, you know, my partner really appreciates that. <laughs> and, and so, you know, happy house, happy spouse or happy spouse, happy house is what I say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, healing really just helps. I feel like it helps you connect. Right. Mm -hmm. You can't really connect with without it. I'm not saying mm -hmm. and I also talk about this in my work where I say you don't have to necessarily be healed to be successful. You can be in the healing process. You don't have to wait until that's like one thing that I do I throw in there because this whole time I haven't been, you know, healed. <laughs> I've been in a mm -hmm. healing journey, but I've, I've still been able to do do things that are, you know, progressively growing and doing great right. um you don't have to wait is what i'm saying to exactly. go after your dreams and things like that but the difference in you um your work ethic your coping mechanisms your um communication skills like even your innovation the way that you can you create it's night and day mm -hmm. when you don't have all the clutter when you don't have all of that inside and a lot most of it is subconscious like, mm -hmm. I don't know many people, unless it's something that they're, they're still consciously hurting from, that walk around thinking about the specifics all the time. You don't. I did not walk around, oh, this is what happened when I was four. This is what happened when I was five. Like, I didn't. That was not part of my brain process, right? right. It was just, but that was the core. That's yeah. where all of these things came from that I hadn't dealt with that became a condition that grew because I ignored it because I was like, no, no, I'm fine. Life is fine. Life is great. Everything's great. You know, like, and it just kept growing and growing and growing until, till they were like, we're still here. <laughs> we can't ignore us anymore. We're going to show you why. Right. Um, till I actually started addressing it. So, and then the more I address it, the more I see that everything else is better. Everything yeah. else is better. Um, oh, you know what else I didn't even touch on really quickly. You know what else I noticed throughout this whole journey? It also affected my relationship with food. <laughs> my relationship with food was horrible. Um, I became stuck in diet culture. Um, every time I wanted to lose weight, I had to join something. <laughs> Instead of, you know, but that was, you know, and then I feel like I developed like um, eating disorders, you know, and uh, body dysmorphia. I look at pictures from even... When I was a teenager, 18 years old, I may have been like 113 pounds, but I thought I was fat, you know, like yeah. it's, there's just the way that I saw myself, the way that I just, it's just everything, <laughs> you know, catapulted from everything right. that I didn't deal with. Right. So even right. that I've, I'm, I'm addressing consciously now. Right. right. I love that you said that actually, as you were talking, I was getting visions sometimes God does that to me, but I was give, getting visions that, um, so we're here, our four-year-old self is over here, our 40, well, I'll speak for myself, I'm 46, so my 46-year-old self is over here, and in the middle is all the shit that we impacted over the years, and as we heal, it keeps going, like, less and less and less, so eventually, you know, there's nothing in between, and that helps with our relationships, that helps mm -hmm. with, you know, um, our work ethic, like you said, you know, the, the more shit that we clear out, the, the better, the clearer we are. And as those of us like yourself and I, that have lived in our heads for decades, you know, when that noise goes away, we're actually, we can be in tune with, you know, the things that we need, need to hear from. Um, so I love that. That was just the vision that I, I got, you know, just clear, cleaning that out. And you're right. Food addiction. I'm right there with you. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it didn't take me, it took me decades to get to this way and it's not going to come off overnight. And, and, uh, you know, on that healing journey of that and for myself, I think a, a 24 pounds got been gone. So, uh, yeah, so keep awesome. on going. Yeah, me too. I've, I've, 
I kept mine off since last year too. So <laughs> I'm good, but I'm, I'm just, I'm just really mindful of what I am doing rather than, okay, let me just do this now and then come off that and then do that next and come off that. Cause I've been doing that for years. Right? Right. So, um, I mean, I think now it's mainly to do with everything that I've overcome when it comes to um, my health all the way, my holistic health, not just my physical health, you know, not just my emotional health, my mental health as well, my spiritual health. Um, and I think one of the best things that um, I have overcome is I, I'm, I'm talking about it, you know, I'm not hiding it anymore. And that's probably been one of the most healing things ever <laughs> because it's like the more I talk about it the more I validate it for me but I feel like it probably helps other people to be like hey I'm dealing with it too you know <laughs> because uh, that's how I felt when I, I heard other people talk about it I'm like me too like I totally get it you know but you too like you know people wouldn't if they didn't say it you wouldn't know it and I feel like you give your story gives voice and validation to people that aren't there yet, right? Yeah. And I wasn't there for a long time, you know? And and you know what? It made me feel very um, inauthentic sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't have a perfect life. I don't have, like, if everybody's thinking, oh, you're this. And yes, I have done those things, but I've also struggled with ABC, right? And I also right. have things that I have gotten help with and um, everybody should feel open to do the same. Right. Exactly. And I think the best people that you're helping is within your own family too, because by you being that person, your girls are going to say, Hey, wait a minute. You know, I, 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 I'm not, I don't want to go through that. And you're help you are helping them uh, uh, along the way by, by healing yourself to heal your generations, um, yeah. which is important. I, I believe because that's the legacy you're living, the legacy of healing, not the legacy of trauma. Yes. Yes. And, you know, they say that everything we do in your generation will affect the next seven generations. Mm-hmm. I totally believe it, you know, and I totally believe it. And that's why I like, I'm like, it's not just, it's not just for me. It's that's right. This is going to, you know, it's going to create a whole different succession of events and you have literally that power. You can change the trajectory of any, everything that comes after you just by what you do today and helping yourself will change everything around you. It really will. Yeah. I love that. So this last couple of minutes we're going to do, we usually do the fundamentals and uh, normally Kimberly joins us, but she's not here today. Um, and so the, if you've ever watched the show before, the fundamentals are what are three things that you live by, like your core, uh, I don't know if beliefs is the right word, but if you were to leave the planet today, what are the three things that you want people to have known you by? I, my biggest thing I would say is my perseverance. This is something that no matter what, keep going, no matter what I kept going, no matter what I'm going to keep going, no matter what I'm going to keep building. Um, my gra- gratitude, I say I'm thankful probably like 25 hours in a day. And that's no joke. Like I am thankful all the time and it keeps me so um, grounded in the present. I mean, of course, like I said earlier, I just, I might be flight, like flighty with my mind sometimes, but that's what brings me back. I say, thank you. I say thanks all the time. Right. And um, perseverance, gratitude, and love. Um, Love it. I like mastery of like the mastery of love. It's one of my favorite books, but I literally feel that that is our purpose on earth is to learn love and to be love. That is something that I feel is so far detached and love is not just romantic relationships. Like that is not, just what love is about. It's just the energy of the earth and the energy that's within us and the energy of God. That is the point of everything that we're supposed to be doing. Um, And that is the point of everything that I'm doing. Like that's literally the point. And it starts with you within yourself. Right. That is beautiful. 
And thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you so much for sharing your story today, Victoria. Uh, it's been a pleasure to to have you here today and for you to, you know, be able to share, um, you know, what God has put on your heart to share. Uh, you're definitely your healing journey. You're doing amazing things. And for those people that want to get a hold of you, um, you know, to maybe check out some of your your business and that, where what's the best place for them to reach you? So I'm online. Victoria Rubio. Um, my handle is at Success Path Coach, and that's for Instagram and Facebook, um, and also Victor just Victoria Rubio. I'm like my other business is everywhere, but it's like if, for my story and the things that I do, and basically everything that we talked about in this show, it's all under my um, my coaching pages and my personal page. I'm very open. I love talking to people about their story, so. Anybody wants to chat with me and everything, like um, I, I, I love it. So, Success Path Coach or Victoria Rubio. Perfect. Thank you so much. And I want to thank our sponsor today, Be Oily with Bonnie. Uh, for all your essential oil needs, go to www.beoilywithbonnie.com or give her a call or text at 810-414-0929. Again, thank you so much, uh, Victoria, for showing sharing your story with us today. Uh, don't forget, guys, be unstoppable all that you do and uh, go to our YouTube channel, Unstoppable Overcomers. Like and subscribe today. Share it with your friends because, you know, this is nothing but positive outlooks here and we all need more positivity. So with that, we'll see you same time, same channel next week. Bye for now.